We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. The live selling wars are heating up like never before. In recent months, Amazon has doubled down on its push to make e-commerce a live selling event by offering its live stream app. And Nordstrom has just launched its own live stream channel as well. So in this episode, we're going to dive into the topic of selling live on Amazon and explain what it is, how to do it, and how to learn more about going into it deeper. Michael, are you ready for this fun topic? I am indeed. Yes, let's get into this. Oh, First of all, all right. yeah, tell me what, what made you think about this this whole thing as, as a topic, because I'm surprised and, and embarrassed to say that it hasn't been making the rounds amongst the UK sort of yeah. power sellers that I move among, but it's clearly a thing. So maybe your location is helping you to get a deeper insight than mine is. Yeah, maybe. Well, the thing about it is that as I reflect back on this was I... We were users of, I guess, is how to describe this. We had done a deal and were in conversations to do more deals with Zoo Lily, which is a Seattle-based e-commerce operator. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they basically publish a daily deals email and do daily selling. And so we had done deals with them and they're local. And so when we did the deal with them, we went and saw their headquarters and they operate out of the old Starbucks headquarters, which uh, is a massive building. And when we went there, we were just in awe. They were huge. They were amazing. And then in 2015, they were purchased by QVC, which is the the longstanding giant TV broadcast selling company. And uh, QVC, if you're not familiar with it, also Home Shopping Network, which was, I think, probably, I haven't researched it, but probably their arch enemy at one point, a rival that they bought out or something like that. So QVC and Home Shopping Network are dominant on TV selling, and they bought Zulily, which is, you know, a massive e-commerce operator here in Seattle. And so that really caught our attention, but that was in 2015. And when that happened, I was like, oh man, QVC's coming into e-commerce. They're coming to Seattle and buying a big e-commerce operator. What is Amazon going to think of that, you know? And here we are, whatever it is, six years later, and it seems to me that Amazon has fully implemented its uh, war footing and kind of response and, and tactics with Amazon Live. And so to me, that was sort of the context. That was what made me aware of it. And then there was just one other bit. We work with some amazing e-commerce sellers as, as you know, coaches and consultants. And uh, it's an honor to work with them. And one of them oriented to me to live selling probably a year and a half, two years ago, and does it very well. He's in the fashion uh, retail space. And he pointed out actually that there were Europeans doing it in the fashion retail space very successfully. And he was copying their sort of general style and we helped him a little bit tune it up and think through the strategy of it. And so those two things brought it to my attention more. And then I guess my third bit here is that on Prime Day, just last month, if you, at least in our context for Prime Day, if you looked at Amazon's homepage, they were pushing live videos all day long. That was their key signature featured thing it seemed like to me which i was like whoa what is happening like amazon is all in on 
live selling? And who are these people? And are they like, you know, employees of Amazon or like, how does this work? And that really triggered for me a whole sort of learning and discovery process. So I guess, sorry, long answer, but that was sort of what caught my attention here on this topic. That's great. I think context is one of the missing pieces in the world of try this latest hack kind of idea. So I think it's good to see that it's a long-term trend supported by very, very smart businesses mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. just a little hack that's going to go away. I've never forgotten trying to get big on a couple of video networks that then completely disappear. And I kind of remember the names off. And so yeah. this is not an overnight thing. It's a trend. It's a, it's a, you know an upwards trend over time. So that's really good to know because it's worth yep. investing in it as a skill set, as a, as a thing yep. to explore. So tell me about this live selling war. You you mentioned QVC versus Amazon. Obviously, mm -hmm. they kind of have really different expertises, if, if that's a thing, don't they? I mean, what what's behind that? What what do you think that implies for us as e-commerce sellers? Well, Amazon's no slouch in terms of competing and sales. And I think what's happened is the convergence broadcast media and live streaming has really changed the game over the last you know few years, whereas. QVC and Home Shopping Network used to be perceived as the domain of television broadcasters and a tool and system for broadcasting on television. The live streaming universe and all of the, you know, everybody's watching, you know, multiple live or, you know, over the top programming apps, whether you like, you know, Amazon Prime or Hulu or Netflix or whatever the one is of your choice. There's just so many now. It's just made live streaming ubiquitous. It's just everywhere and easily achievable. And I think that it just lowered the barrier to entry technically to doing the broadcasting. And, and so I think obviously Amazon, you know, I mean, they would have not been, you know, they, they, they would not have worried over the technical issues. But I think the barrier to entry has just been lowered and lowered and lowered so that the live stream selling is an opportunity now but the other competitors in the space are stepping into it as well. Walmart has a system for this. Nordstrom, literally this month, as we're recording this, just launched a, a live streaming channel. And so I think everyone's getting um, on board with the program and realizing that you can do basically what QVC pioneered on TV, but just do it live now on the internet. And so that's the war. And, and I think the interesting part to me is that Amazon's approach to it is is in essence being outsourced to everyday people. <laughs> you know, it's like that their approach is uh, democratized, if you will. They're putting it out so that anyone, basically, we'll talk through some of this detail, but anyone can do this, and so that's very interesting. And uh, so, so I think the war is on, and I think it'll only get more intense. And the question is, you know, can people perfect this model? in live streaming that QVC and Home Shopping Network clearly perfected or have done very well, you know, on TV, so. Interesting. I, yeah. I think the word democracy is, is interesting in the Amazon context. What I would say from the third party marketplace model is that Amazon has long since realized that as the first party seller, I think in 2020, it lost $40 billion having sold mm -hmm. record amounts. So mm -hmm. the more it sells, the more it loses as a first party seller. So the future is in being a marketplace and enabling other people. Now that looks very okay, similar yeah. to democracy, but what I'm seeing mm -hmm. is actually, unless you're a huge seller, you're going to get treated more and more as, as part of the sort of sausage meat going into the machine. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I would suggest that what they generally do is they crowdsource expertise and then they allow most of it to die. 
And so mm. I think what they'll be going through is a massive thrashing. Based, this is not based on my knowledge of live, but Amazon's yeah. sort of strategic approach over the years. Yeah. That well, they'll be um, letting a lot of people have a go at it, and then they'll sort of maybe at some point start closing the gates, I suspect. So I maybe the wild I mean, open west yeah. is not open forever, I suspect. You know? Maybe the, the fences will go up over time. Uh, a couple of comments are popping in here. Amjid says, what if wholesalers don't have their own products. The beautiful part of this, just to mention this, so we'll go deeper into it in a moment, I think, is two different approaches to Amazon live selling or opportunities exist uh, for us, being brand registered and having your own products. So that that is a, a smaller community of Amazon sellers. But the other opportunity is just simply applying for their influencer program. And if you're in their influencer program, you can sell anything on Amazon. And so... That is amazing. So, MJ, that hopefully that helps answer. But this is available to you if you don't even have your own product, if you're selling other people's products. Old Road to Love your podcast, guys. Learned so much from you both. Oh, thanks, man. Really appreciate that. Yeah, it's um, that. that's very nice. Yeah, uh, that's by awesome. the way, what you just said is just mind blowing. So, you can sell stuff on Amazon based on being an influencer, not on being a, a product creator. Is, yes. is that right? Amazing. Yes, and that, and is that really means radical. Yeah. It, it is totally radical. And that's what I mean by the democratization of this. Basically, you're right. I think what Amazon might do is they might winnow down the field to, you know, some kind of gated version of you have to have some kind of performance metrics for your lives or something. And there are already requirements. But this is uh, this is interesting because you can literally apply for influencer program, get accepted and take Amazon product off the shelf that you just like and go live sell it and you know what you're doing basically is using a fill you know a, a, the affiliate system on amazon it's their product it's their marketplace you're just serving as a host for a live show and building your audience and doing well by it so uh, jacob jumped in and said yes apply for the amazon influencer program or be brand registered so there you go exactly right jacob and thanks for joining us so okay so let's talk a little bit about what's happening at scale a few quotes i think oh, would be appropriate from this article michael you and i just as we were looking at this topic found washington post which is owned by jeff bezos just published an article and i believe the title of it was where is it? Do I still have it here? The future of selling looks a lot like QVC or something that was something like that was the title, which is amazing. And a few quotes. They said Amazon hosted more than 1,200 live streams during its prime day. And then uh, the other other bit is monetary. It says live stream shopping events generated an estimated 5.6 billion in sales last year, a market that retail and analysts project will balloon to $11 billion this year. So it's $11 billion opportunity and nearly $26 billion by 2023. So it's going, it's doubling. Basically every year, live selling revenues are doubling right now. We are in this hockey stick growth, you know, S-curve element to this. And that's really interesting as sellers, isn't it? It is. I'm suddenly more interested. I'm on a, QVC is something that I personally have occasionally experienced. And, and as a consumer, I happen to greatly dislike it. But when I look, look at numbers mm -hmm. like that, I'm suddenly extremely interested as an entrepreneur because that yeah. is that is massive. I mean, that, that explains yeah. why Amazon feels the need to start competing. There's no point in having mm -hmm. part of a market that isn't valuable in, in dollars mm -hmm. and cents. But once mm -hmm. it starts to be, Amazon definitely needs to get in there before it seeds ground to mm -hmm. something that could become so big that mm -hmm. Amazon you know, actually becomes a, a shrinking entity again eventually. So 
Very interesting. And also the other thing that w- that was mentioned in the article was is um, like more than once actually that come up in e-commerce that the Chinese are kind of not the early but the sort of middle level adopters of e-commerce at scale mm-hmm. compared to the United States or Europe. And this is another thing, isn't it? This live format that's become very popular in China, I understand from the article, for about more than five years. And so for, for them, it's not new. It's new to the US and it's relatively, it's new to me and it's new to Europe. Yeah. So yeah. what do you make of that? <laughs> Well, something's new to people when it's new to them, but that's the, it's like, it's whatever Rumsfeld used to say, it's like, there's known knowns and unknown knowns and unknown unknowns or whatever the phrase is, but, but technically, uh, live stream selling has been happening for years now. And as each of us get oriented to it in our, you know, we kind of, it breaks through to our own consciousness. We're like, wow, this is a new thing. Um, so in it, that was my circumstance a year and a half, two years ago, when my client told me about these Europeans who were doing it. So to me, I was like, hey, Michael probably knows all about this because I learned about it from a fashion retailer who said Europeans were doing early effectively. You've read an article that says Chinese sell- e-commerce sellers have been doing it for five years. I think it's emerging. And I think we're at the early adopter phase. I, I know some clients who are doing live selling that we work with that are doing really well. They're crushing it. In fact, they're, they're ramping up to start doing it. What they already do well on Facebook, they're going to take to Amazon. And, and I already have clients who are you know, doing well with it, as I mentioned, that oriented me to it. But the, I have other clients who I know would crush it with live selling, who just, you know, just not on their radar yet. And they're doing well. They've got their own systems, their own priorities. And um, it's just not a thing to them yet. And yeah. so I think early adopters are ones who are hungry. They see it, it clicks for them. And they're like, I could do this. I could make this work. And there's no technical barrier to entry and I'm yeah. hungry for it. And, you know, but then, you know, that's an early sliver of users. And, and the question is, do we want to be those people and pioneer it and get the, the early mover advantages of doing it, which are truly, truly powerful these days on the internet, you know? That's true. And what's interesting to me is is to differentiate between, oh, this is yet another fad and something I'll need to learn and or delegate team time to if you've got a bigger team versus the actual revenue size of the market mm-hmm. and the value of the market is doubling, you know, annually or whatever it is at the moment, mm-hmm. which implies to me it's not a fad. It's actually a skill set that you're going to have to decide whether you want to get into or not. So mm-hmm. talking of which, then let's talk, let's transition from the bigger picture a little bit more into you know, you've got some clients successfully doing it. Do you think this is for everyone? Or do you, the, the first obvious question to me is very simple, which is, do you think that most e-commerce sellers are going to be good on video to the extent that they can sell their products? And I'm bearing in mind what you were saying about this sort of person who wasn't necessarily, yeah. you know, articulate or gorgeous in the traditional TV style and yet was yeah. doing really, really well. So given that reality, should, re, should e-commerce small business owners be doing the selling themselves? Or is this something they're mostly going to need to outsource to somebody else? Well, I think the question is, what's the technical requirement? And then what's the requirement for success? You know, okay. And so the technical requirement right now for Amazon Live is you need to be brand registered to do Amazon Lives or be an approved Amazon Influencer Program participant. Mm-hmm. Now, Jacob just said he, in the chats here, he said he has applied for that previously and was turned down to be an Influencer Program. I don't have any secret suggestions for how to get approved for that. So look through the criteria, whether they're looking for a large off Amazon audience, like a big influencer community on your Instagram account, or a large email list that you have or some, you know, some other external metrics. I, I don't know. 
but I would go through that process and see if you can get accepted, learn, you know, how to, how to go through that. And so that's one thing. Those are just the technical requirements, but I will just say this, Amazon live is just one way to do live selling. I've already mentioned we have several clients doing it effectively on Facebook as well. So, you know, if Amazon turns you down, you can still do all of this stuff on, on Facebook. So those are the technical requirements, you know, on Amazon. But then I guess the thing that I would encourage everybody to do is just go look at amazon.com slash live and watch what's happening. Michael, you alluded to a comment I made before we started recording the podcast, but I was just watching this morning, Amazon Live, turned it on just to look at it again. You can get to it directly from the menu, top level nav menu on amazon.com. Or it's also almost all the time now on the homepage as a a feed strip. I guess you could say, go watch what people are doing and just look to see who's doing what and what audience they have. And I was just saying this morning, the, the, the you know, lady that when I turned on this morning had 250 viewers live. She was, you know, kind of middle age gal and did not look like, you know, polished home shopping network host. She just looked like she was sitting at her kitchen table talking and 250 people were watching her sell stuff. And, and so, you know, I don't think the elements of success are necessary to be like the, you have to look like the weatherman or the weather girl on your local tv you don't have to be you know on camera super polished i think what people really probably like is the interaction they like your authenticity and they like the basics of clean simple easy presentation that feels right and good and you know you know conversational answering questions is a big part of the format you have to, in terms of service, if you're going to do these, I've heard, you have to agree to interact with the audience through the commenting tool. And so, you know, I think these are the elements of it that come into play. And and the people who will be good at it are probably a mix of on-camera, you know, comfortable, have a data mindset in terms of when to go live, what the audience management stuff, and have a product point of view that they can talk through. And, you know, who will win at the end of the day? I guess people who probably take the best advantage of these opportunities that Amazon is handing out freely, you know. Interesting. I mean, I don't obviously clearly don't have much of an idea about live selling because it's, 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 it's all fairly new to me and I haven't really had friends. I haven't even been offered it much on our Amazon feed. I was just checking quickly while you were mentioned mm-hmm. that it was showing up. So maybe they're sort of rolling it out in, in phases as they often do and any big companies will do. But mm-hmm. one thing I'd say is this, what you just described to me sound like different types of people. And, and a friend of mine happened, well, I've got a few friends of mine work for the BBC and one of them is a very, very good producer at a high level of, of a very famous program or two here. Mm-hmm. Um, radio programs mostly, but some TV. Mm-hmm. And the, the producer has the mindset that their data management, when you should go live, how the audience sort of analyze things the analytical mindset the sort of person that does well in front of the cameras i've worked with a lot of actors in the past as well in in you know past lives if, as it were I've done multiple different careers which is kind of feed into this stuff they tend to be very unanalytical very spontaneous they're often very beautiful if they're actors as you said that i think the beauty mm-hmm. is not important but i do think yeah. personality probably is and i wonder yeah. if some types of people that really thrive on balance sheets and and uh, spreadsheets which is a lot of successful entrepreneurs i know will be the last person i put in front of the camera but they may have yeah. somebody in their business who would actually be much better in front of the camera which which often strikes me what, what are your experiences with the clients who've done well at this do they personally go on camera or is it like a husband and wife team and one of them's better how does it actually work for you your experience but i have the two clients who have done live consistently regularly and do well with it it's just one person on camera 
and they are the principal, you know, salesperson for their business, and they just get comfortable talking about their products. I'm reminded of a funny other little situation where my mom's 77, and and uh, so she's on Facebook. Sometimes she posts stuff, and she's like, well, "I didn't mean to post that." But one of the feeds she's tapped into on Facebook Live videos is a Southern gal that's probably in her late 60s or 70s who bake or who does baking and cooking. And this lady has millions of watchers and, you know, followers and fans on Facebook. And when I watched it, I, I asked my mom, what are you watching? And she just showed me this lady. And, and it's the most personal, sincere, down-to-earth, fun, conversational cooking show. It's just some lady in her house. And she just has a charm about her. She has sort of the Southern draw. And it's just very charming and but not fancy. The house is not special. The lady's not it's just it's just like a normal, you know, normal person. I think these are the elements that people are drawn to. It's yeah. not about camera quality or f- the facade. Yes. Or the 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 you know, I'm a I'm a, a beautiful, you know, cover girl and yeah. that therefore I get to be on TV. There's no more of that. Yeah. There's no more of that. Now, it still exists, but that's like saying newspapers exist. This <laughs> new world is people buy from people. Yeah. People like people. People are drawn to people who, you know, can speak their language and yeah. uh, relate and answer their questions. And it's just, it's a fun new universe. So I think the, in the many, many ways, the barrier has been completely destroyed or removed Interesting. for entry. And the barrier for quality or for, for doing well is all new. And it, it just goes to basic human interaction and quality relational kind of work, you know. I think what you just said reminds you very much of a quote from a latest uh, Seth Godin book, and I can't remember which one it is. I think it's This Is Marketing, but it's all very good. I'm a big, big fan of him. And one thing he said is um, basic marketing, people like us do things like this. And mm-hmm. I guess if you relate to this mm-hmm. person in the living room or, you know, this person with, with relatability in, in the kitchen, yeah. then that does the job and everything. Other technical barriers, as you say, are irrelevant. I'll yeah. have to say one of the things that I'd absolutely detest about QVC and HS and that sort of stuff or the, the British equivalents. Well, I, I got stuck in a waiting room in a hospital a while ago waiting for something for an hour and they had they had home shopping network or the equivalent on for an hour. And it's like torture to me. And the reason it was like torture is because, number one, the person was kind of acting like they were charming but they weren't really <laughs> number yeah. two they clearly knew nothing about the product and they were going to get mm-hmm. given a random product mm-hmm. the next mm-hmm. day they knew nothing about and and well those are two things actually that's enough i make a stop being yeah. a hello because yeah, it's like time what, oh, that's it, so, so <laughs> that's over, it. Right? i'm out i hate it because <laughs> the, one of the things that i think you've talked about is i suppose that authenticity and i suppose yeah. you can't fake that but also charm and engagement and again some people have it and some don't i mean my experience yeah. of acting college is surprisingly rare to be able to just stand in front of a camera or in front of an audience and be engaging and natural and relaxed i guess yeah. you get better at it over the time is what is what you're saying Hey there, folks. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The E-Commerce Leader. So very interesting one today. I was sitting there being educated by the Shopify expert in Amazon, which is kind of embarrassing, but it shows how quickly Amazon Live is kind of going from a niche little thing to mainstream. And I'm kind of just missing it because it doesn't seem to have hit the Amazon sellers that I know yet, but it's obviously working out very, very successfully for some of um, Jason's clients. And obviously the most important thing that came out of this for me is just the sheer size 
of live selling and how quickly that that revenue is growing from uh, a few billion last year in 2020 was a huge year for e-commerce, of course, to this year, as in 2021, on track for um, doubling almost 11 billion and on and on. So something that's growing that quickly is a trend that we can't ignore. We don't have to necessarily action it in our own businesses if it's not appropriate, but at least I think it's something worth very much considering. So very exciting topic. Obviously, the big players, QVC previously and now Amazon, are seeing this as a very essential uh, play. And so we need to think about it ourselves, really. So the question is, I suppose, how you think that you might implement this for yourself. And Jason's given us a few hints. And really, it sounds like we don't need to be frightened about being beautiful people or being you know, perfect and slick in our delivery. I don't consider that I started off as a beautiful person ever and, and certainly didn't start off as slick in the podcasting. And yet I've been doing that for a few years and building something outside of the e-commerce space, but sort of related, i.e. influencer marketing for sort of training and consulting. And so I can say from my own um, experience is not live, but we're doing lives and things like that, that you get better over time and a little bit of planning goes a long way, but also that you just got to start sometimes. And if there's a blindingly <laughs> obvious opportunity that is so big and so potentially valuable um, that, and there's some kind of spark in you that, that thinks that you could do this, I'd encourage you for once, and I'm not normally the person to say this, normally Jason, to, to get cracking and go and learn how people are doing it and give it a give it a whirl and, and don't just do it once or twice but doing uh, quite a few times so you can even get a feel for is this something i could do and to accept that as my old russian piano teacher used to say the first pancake sticks to the pan so the first time you do something is quite often just a trial run and the technology goes wrong and you sound rubbish and you think you're rubbish and five people watch you don't be put off by that i would encourage you to to really if you're going to have a go at this and you think it makes sense for you and your brand and who you are to really give it multiple goes before you write it off because you know the first time you do something is not necessarily going to be the slickest version so that's it for me the final thing to say is don't forget to um to subscribe to the show you can actually get paid for that if you go to www.contest.theecommerceleader.com until the end of july so we just about might catch this on this episode when it goes live we are running a contest where you can enter simply by subscribing to the show very simple on a podcast player of your choice and you can be entered for the prize which is for the prize winner 250 dollars visa gift card or uh, equivalent uh, if you're in uk or other uh, countries where you don't use dollars we'll, we'll figure out um the the technology if we can as well for you so www.contest.theecommerceleader.com is the place to go to enter that and you know whether or not it's in the contest we'd encourage you to subscribe to the show we've got lots of topics coming up that we're opening up to keep you up to date and to help you be the best e-commerce leader that you can be thanks very much for listening that was the e-commerce leader podcast with michael Vizi in london england and jason miles in seattle washington if you liked this content don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app for free resources including pdfs and videos on topics like traffic products and sales channels just go to www.theecommerceleader.com no hyphens just as it sounds thanks so much for listening